John chapter 6, verse 35. This is a passage where Jesus had fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. And so John chapter 6, verse 35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus then took a journey away from all these people who he had fed. You have to understand when he fed them, that was a significant bit of income saved that day. 86% of their efforts, or roughly thereabout, went into gathering food, paying for food. And so for one day, all that was restored back because God had fed them. But he took a journey across the sea and they went searching for the bread that was, gave them what they needed and would give them a much better life and take all their efforts and allow them to put it some other place. And, and when they found him and he began to teach them hard sayings. And so that brings us to John chapter 6, verses 66 through 68. When they heard these hard sayings, it was too much for him. It says, and from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, will you go... Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Lord, speak to us today. Change our hearts and change our lives. Draw us closer to you. And God, may we grow in you. Oh God, have your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I have up here today, I have a few props, and the title of my message is, is a bit odd. It's Coca-Cola, Nuggets, Fries, and Deodorant. I know it doesn't have a rhyme to it. It doesn't probably flow off the tongue, but Coca-Cola, I spent a little time uh, reading about it and watching a bit of a video on it, and Coca-Cola, or Coca-Cola Classic, and Coca-Cola was some, a drink that was synonymous with sports, with a hot summer day, with a barbecue, and, and people would crack open their Coca-Cola from the shape of the letters to some of the jingles that they sung to the shape of the patented bottle. I even compared this against the Pepsi bottle. I was like, hold on a second, because Pepsi's is just a little bit different in here, trying to get that same look and that same feel into your brain of the Coca-Cola bottle. This shape in and of itself will sell millions of bottles of pop. Because unbeknownst to you, subliminally you walk by and that shape, you catch it out of the corner of your eye. And what Coca-Cola believes is, for those of you who like Coca-Cola, which I know some of you don't. Do we have any Pepsi fans out there? Do we have any diet fans out there? Oh, I am sorry, I apologize. Anytime I hear the word diet or I see calories saved on the menu, I panic because I don't think I'm getting my money's worth. <laughs> I'm like, I'm paying for food and you just told me there's less of something in there. And I'm to be happy about it. I would have eaten that meal because it sounded good, it tasted good. And I'm looking at it and then my eye goes, 
What's those green letters under there that say 380 or 120? And I'm like, wait a second. When I see the word diet, it's the same thing. I'm like, so you had something that was perfected and tasted a certain way, and then you changed it because I was worried about my health? And so I get a little nervous. I'm like, why do, if it's bad for me, at least make it taste good. <laughs> my grandpa used to say, you always paid too much for a bad meal. But while maybe it was too much money for the meal, if it tasted good, it was never a waste of money. We could maybe debate some meals a little bit that way. But when I sit down and something tastes really good, I might later on say, why did I spend so much for that? But I walk away enjoying the experience. But boy, I've taken some plates of food and I'm like, you know, even I, who was taught to eat everything off the smorgasbord, um, <laughs> before I went back for more, will dump a plate of food in the trash. Why? Because they're, they're, I want it to taste good. And, and Coca-Cola here said, hey, we're America's drink. And we're not just America's drink, we're, we're the world's drink. And they have the things like me, mean Joe Green peeling off his, his jersey and throwing it over onto a kid because he had a bottle of Coca-Cola. It was sometime back there in the 70s and Coca-Cola began to examine things and, and they began to study. And, and as they entered the 70s, Ira Herbert, the brand manager, after they did some studies, declared um, that... In response to research which shows that young people seek the real, original, and natural as an escape from the phony. His research demonstrated that people wanted the real thing. And so they begin to advertise themselves and to sell themselves as the real thing. They understood that, that folks had a desire for something that, that was genuine. And you're saying, Coca-Cola? No, I'm a Pepsi fan. But Coca-Cola had realized that it was more than just a drink. It took people back to their childhood. It reminded them of a baseball game on a hot summer day. It reminded them of sitting on a porch or together with their parents or their children. However, something happened at Coca-Cola... And they begin to be, have competitors. And they begin to slide behind their competitors. And Pepsi, people did the blind, tape te blind taste tests. And they would sip it and they would say, well, this one tastes better. And so Coca-Cola decided they needed to address their taste. And in 1985, they came out and they triumphed the idea that they had changed the flavor of Coca-Cola. And all those people who had tasted it and said, oh, this Pepsi tastes better, they, they begin to be outraged. Why? Because they had tried something else for a time. But when they looked over, one lady called, and, and, and she was complaining. And he said, well, when's the last time you drank Coca-Cola? And she said, 40 years ago. And I'm like, why would you have listened to her? And she said, you're taking my childhood. 73 days passed by and they suddenly realized we have a problem. And 90 days after they changed the flavor, they came out understanding their mistake and said, we're going back to the original. 
and sales skyrocketed. In fact, people thought it was a ploy to actually get bigger sales by changing the flavor. But what can we understand from this story? It's not that you don't have a different flavor of pop, but it's that, that there's a real thing out there. And I'm sorry I don't really settle for Shasta. I, I, I'm not a fan of going into the aisle there. And when you come over to my house for a party, uh, um, uh, I, I tend to go look and say, okay, I'm going to get some different drinks. But I like the main brand. I want the real thing. Others might adopt something else, but if I'm going to go ahead and have me a Coca-Cola, uh, um, I don't want something that's a RC or, or a different type out there. I want the original, the genuine, the real thing. And as Jesus stood out there on that hillside, and as He talked to the people, He understood their struggle for bread and their hunger. And so in the temporal he fed them and He gave them abundant food and they were satisfied and they were filled. But as the, day, the next day came and as it passed by, they understood, wait a second, that source of food I had yesterday, those baskets are gone. And I have to get me another basket of food. Where am I going to go for my food? Am I going to go work the field? Am I going to go shop at a store? Or where is that man who gave me a day's worth of food? Who took care of my hunger? I would like to get some more. But they failed to understand his words when he spoke to them. And he told them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Oh, you know what that's telling me? That's telling me, and hopefully this doesn't blow up on me here, but it's telling me that instead of having a bottle of Coca-Cola that goes away after I've drank it, that I go ahead and I go back to the fridge and it still has Coke in it. And I say I need another drink and it's right there. And so I get another drink. And I get up the next morning, and I'm thirsty. And I say, you know what I still have? I have a drink. And the next day, I say, I still have a drink. Oh, 365 days go by. And you say, well, that, looks, that doesn't look like much to me. And I tell you, it never goes empty. It never runs dry. I never have to thirst because I have a drink. I have the real thing. Oh, when my soul says I need something inside of it, this word never fails me. It's always been what I need when I need it. Do you see some of you are a little picky? You want the diet. You thought something else tasted better. Young people, you are getting ready to go back to school. And I thought very heavily about this. I thought very heavily about you when I thought on this message. Hear me, young people. You are going to walk the hallways of your school. You are going to go to your lockers and you're going to have a great time with friends. I hope you do anyways. But hear me, youngest to oldest. God is the real 
thing. And we find in our story that things were too hard for his disciples and they left. But there's something about the real thing. Oh, it may be the most popular or it may have faded from view. Oh, but don't ever change for a substitute because it doesn't satisfy. God has been with you from when you were a child. He was with you at your family picnic. He was with you when you cried those tears at night. And when you got your first job and you got your raise, when you got fired and you didn't know how to pay the bill, God was still there because He's the water that never goes away. He's the drink that never is always there. He's the food you always needed. He is the real thing. So that's Coca-Cola. Ah. But we talked about Coca-Cola and the cheap substitute. And I told you a story a while back of substitutes. Because I can go to my local grocery store and get me some Tyson chicken nuggets. By the way, if you don't have the McDonald's app, I'll do another sales pitch. I got these for free today. Because if you spend more than $3, which is medium fry, doesn't seem like that should be $3, but hey, I got these for free. Well, which would you do? Yeah. So, the real thing. And Avery, I don't know if you're hungry for nuggets or fries today, but this is a 10-piece right here. And it's got a pretty box, and it's got a nice box here. I wanted the, not the paper one, it doesn't stand as, or the, you know, that little foldy thing. You're like, smalls, and so you gave me a terrible basket. No, I wanted this one right here. Maybe large, extra crispy, salt, hot and fresh. If you say those things like extra salt, extra crispy, that means they cook you a special order, and they come out hot. And frankly, that's the only time they actually taste good. But... These fries and these nuggets, as you kids head back to school and you have your lunch, uh, uh, maybe McDonald's isn't your thing. Who likes pizza? Who likes Pizza Hut pizza? Who likes Domino's pizza? Okay, who's a high V pizza fan? I don't see any out there. Who's a Casey's pizza fan? Godfathers. I see some Godfathers. What about Papa John's? Any Papa John's? Somebody's so excited they dropped their uh, iPad. <laughs> or maybe they're disgusted. I don't know. But I told you once that I bought Tyson chicken nuggets and called up the wife and said, hey, I'm going to make Tyson chicken nuggets. I want you to go get me McDonald's fries in an empty nugget box. That was hard for her to tell the people in the drive-thru she wanted an empty nugget box. That is not hard for me, by the way. But well, that is hard for her. And so she ushered the kids off and I put my Tyson nuggets in there. And Avery sits down at the table and I get out the thing that looks like the real thing. And she says it doesn't smell like the real thing. She said it smelled like chicken patties. And I was like, oh. Because that's what Tyson chicken nuggets are. They just took chicken patties and cut them up. But she wasn't supposed to know it. So I'm like, eat it, eat it, eat it. And she says, I'm not eating it. Why? 
because I have the real thing and I'm not settling for a substitute. Oh, the disciples left when it got too hard. Oh, you know, sometimes, uh, oh, my kids will plead with me and I'll say, we're not doing that. I'm not making that. I've made this. And they're like, but that's gross. And they'll plead. And they'll start to break through my exterior. And parents don't do this, but I've made three different meals before because I got a soft spot. And I'm like, I'll make... Somebody's laughing back there, I think. Maybe? No? No, just eyes. All right. Nobody else has done that then. So I've done these before. I'm like, okay, you wanted that special thing. I'll make it for you. Why? Because they said, there's something that tastes good to me. There's something I want. And I want you to get it for me. But tell a church, I'm telling you, the disciples, they, they, they heard hard things. And they said, this is too hard. Uh, uh, we can't go through that struggle to get there to what it is that's the real thing. And, and so they began to depart from Jesus and go back to their hard work and their toil when they had found the bread of life and the water that would never run out. And Jesus came to Peter and to the disciples and, and he asked them, Will you leave me also? Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom else shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. So when you sit down with the real thing, and when you're at school and you're tempted, hear me, hear me children, when you're tempted to take a substitute, to go ahead and when you begin to hear something taught over in that classroom, you go, hold on a second. That, that makes me question something about the Bible. Oh, you go see God. You come see your pastor. You come see your teachers. Because the real thing will never disappoint. People might go away from it. They might try something else that's easier to get. Oh, they might go get something that, that tickles their, their ears just a little bit. But don't settle for anything less than what you found to be the best. To whom else would we go? You have the words of life. Of eternal life. And hear me, it's not about the packaging. The packaging might get you there. You might have been sold on the golden arches. You might have seen the box and said, that looks like McDonald's. Oh, that it doesn't smell like McDonald's. Check your spirit. Understand. Get a little deeper. Say, wait a second, I got into a situation with some other kids. But it's not lining up. Check yourself when you're watching a movie and you thought it was all okay. Check yourself when you're with your family or with friends, church. Hear me. Or you're on a job and suddenly something begins to draw you another way. And you get down the path and then you're like, wait a second. This isn't the real thing. Something's not right. I got myself in a place. It's not working. So go back to the book. Stop settling for a substitute. And get the real thing. That was bad. That was bad. Man. Nobody's eating those off the floor, right? We'll pick those up. Put them in the sack. Before we get some grease in this carpet. Or on my tie. Okay. We'll just lay it up here. And so that brings me to deodorant. Speed stick. 
And you're like, where are we at today? We got a bar of soap up there. It's a little harder to get the, uh, the icon for the uh, deodorant. <laughs> but you see the disciples here, people had left. They had gone away. Kids, hear me. It may not be the most popular thing at school to live for God, but he's what's real. And you're going to find out one day it is worth it all. Your frontline members, hear me, all you kids, from the littlest to the oldest, your frontliners, God picked you ahead of everybody else so you could lead everybody else. Because people are going to come along and they're going to understand they don't want you to change who you are. They need you to be real. They're like, wait a second, I may not have bought into it for the last 40 years, but what are you doing changing the product? You need to live for God. We need it, something real in this world. Nothing fake. Hear me. Those disciples, the 12 are left, and, and they think, what do we got? But they decided they weren't going to sell out. Well, one did. Jesus said, isn't there even one amongst you? That means it might be somebody the tightest in your youth group. Pray God, don't let it happen here. It may be somebody you met from afar. I know him personally. I'm like, man, you were so in the word. You had all this in you. You were a preacher. You were a missionary. Why did you walk out on this gospel? Why did you leave it? It was worth it. And hear me, kids. Hear me. Don't ever settle for a cheap imitation. You're a frontliner, and eventually people are going to line up behind you. The world is craving for Jesus Christ, and you're going to lead them to Jesus. So don't be ashamed of who you are. And that's the deodorant. Because deodorant is something you're supposed to put on. <coughs> Could probably use some of that Coke. After you shower. See, some of you have mistaken deodorant and cologne and perfume for things you put on before you shower. Okay? Do you know what it smells like when you have really bad odor and you put deodorant, perfume, or cologne on? It smells like somebody with really bad odor with deodorant, perfume, or cologne on. And it doesn't smell good. You see them. You understand it. Because you get out that axe. And you're like. And you thought Joey could spray paint a wall. Watch you with that bottle of axe. You choke everybody out of the building. Parents walk upstairs. And they enter the cloud. And they're like this is not the Shekinah glory of God. I can't breathe, and that's a problem. You see, deodorant is meant to be something you put on. We won't get too much into an example there. Get it out of my hand. Deodorant is something you put on to keep you throughout the day as you work hard and as you sweat, but you get cleaned up, and you do things to take care of yourself so that you can go through the day like you want to do. 
But the problem is that some of you start settling out for things that aren't quite real. And then you don't want to change your ways, but you just kind of want to cover back up with the Word. You're like, let me spray a little spirit on. Let me get into church just a little bit. But you still got stinky sin on you. And God is not pleased. That's why He doesn't want the odor of your sacrifice, your worship, and your praise before you take care of your problem with a broken heart and forgiving a brother or a sister. Because you started to compromise whatever it was you watched, listened to, the places you went, the prayer life you gave up on, the Bible you walked out on, the clothes you begin to change, the language you begin to use, the people you begin to hang with, and I'm not talking about you are nice and friendly, but you're like, you know what, this is the cool club, so I'm sorry, Sam, i got to be mean to you today. Or even when I'm not mean to Sam, just these girls are, I'm like, they're, they're kind of cool, so I'm just not going to say anything. And Sam's like, oh, dude, Lucas, like, come on, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, kind of really. I just think the, these guys, girls are not troublemakers. They're not troublemakers. They're nice. Sam, but no. See, your silence, even in those moments, is you starting to become stinky. You're going places you shouldn't go. And then you think you can just come back in here and you got your nice clothes on and you're like, I'm a Christian. And yet somebody in your life says that doesn't add up. You know, people sometimes see people. They see them in the emergency room. They see you in the store. And they go, wait a second. You were in a nice suit on Sunday. But I saw how you treated folks over here. Or I saw you over here. And I'm not alluding to any stories here. The stories that are in my head right now are away from Omaha. Okay? Away from anybody you know. But people see. And they go, wait a second. Are they Christian? Are they not? What is this? I'm confused. Can I live that way or can't I? Oh, hear me, young people. Hear me online. The world is looking to you for hope and salvation. And so, if you will continue to live for God, you are going to find that while you feel alone for a time, this is what people want and what they need. And they're going to come seeking it. And they're going to come find it. And however resolute you are, if you will stand for God, you are going to see that people are going to begin to seek God. Because this gospel works. It saves, it delivers, and it heals. Oh, I have to think about those 12 disciples or the 11 of them there that didn't sell out on Jesus. You know what they got to have after Jesus rose again? And even them, they left Him for a moment at the cross. But here's what they got to have. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were setting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they all began to be, um, be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. But what can we draw out of that? It wasn't just a 12 moment or a 120 moment. Because we see in Acts chapter 2 verse 37. It says when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Oh, you know what it is, Avery? 
Your school looks at you and they say, wait a second, you got the real thing. You know what it is, Liam? They're going to look at you and they're going to say, there's something real about you. There's something real for every one of you students out here and every one of you parents. They're looking and they're saying something's real. And one day they're going to say, what must I do? And so a couple verses later, after Peter preached to them this gospel message of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of His Spirit, when he preached it, it said that they, they, then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Peter, the next chapter, and John, they come to the temple, and they're going to worship God. But they see a problem and a situation And they don't say, okay, let me fit in with everybody else here. But Peter and John, they go up to the temple. And when they get there, they see a lame man. And they said, I have the real thing. I've got what it takes. I have the real God and the real hope. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Oh, hear me. I don't have silver and gold, but such as I have. I've got something greater. Oh, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because selling for a substitute doesn't raise the lame man up. Selling for a substitute doesn't stop somebody from committing suicide. Selling for a substitute doesn't put back a marriage together. Oh, compromising on living for God and trying to live a covered up lifestyle. It doesn't deliver from hell. It doesn't save your children. It doesn't get you to heaven. Oh, we can go on. Oh, persecution hit. Acts chapter 8 verse 4. And they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. Okay, I don't understand persecution, but I understand Jesus, and I'm preaching the gospel. And so what happened out of that? And Philip went down to Samaria, and it says, and there was great joy in that city. Oh, they tried to, they killed James, the brother of John, and they threw Peter in prison in Acts chapter 12. But verse 24, we see, and the word of God grew and multiplied. Oh, hear me. It may not be easy and you'll want to settle for a substitute, but don't walk out on God. Don't stop living for Him. Why? Because He's going to come through and it's going to multiply. And we end the book of Acts. I could have pulled out more examples. We're going to be drawing this to a close. and In a moment here, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Have the children and all the people going to school come up. It says in Acts chapter 28, the last verse 30 and 31, it says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house. You've got to understand that Paul's been imprisoned. And it says, And received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching those things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbading him. What happened? This gospel went to the heart of wickedness of the world, Rome. And Paul got a place in Rome. 
and eventually the Roman Empire, which came after Christianity, tried to co-opt and adopt Christianity. Twisted it up a bit. Tried to, to change it. Why? Because Satan realized, I can't beat it. So I'm going to have to go a different way here. Because the Word of God will continue to grow and multiply. And it's going to be released no matter the situation. Because God is in control.